Hey everyone, so recently I decided to do a thing. After nearly three years and two and a half million downloads, I changed the name of the show from Journey to Manifesting to the Sarah Prout Podcast. Everything is still the same, just with a different name, so I hope you enjoy. This is episode 8 with Danielle Laporte. Welcome to your journey to manifesting. My name is Sarah Prout, best-selling author and creator of The Manifesting Academy. Each week I'll bring you an inspirational message or share powerful conversations with thought leaders, game changers and light workers. The intention here is to motivate you to create the life of your wildest dreams. Thank you so much for spending some time with me today. Now let the journey to manifesting begin. Hey everyone, thanks for joining me today. I have an incredibly special guest to share with you. It's Danielle Laporte. She's a member of Oprah's Super Soul 100. She's the creator of the Desire Map and the Desire Map Day Planner. She's the author of White Hot Truth and the Firestarter Sessions. Named one of the top 100 websites for women by Forbes, where millions of visitors go to daniellelaporte.com every single month for daily truth bombs and what's been called the best place for online kick-ass spirituality. So this conversation with Danielle has been, oh gosh, something that I've wanted to do for such a long time. I've been following her work for nearly 10 years. So today we got to talk about spirituality and creativity and how it's incredibly important not to be neutral with things. And I want you to really pay attention to that. So it's with absolute pleasure that I present to you, Danielle Laporte. So Danielle, welcome to the show. I am so truly honored to have you here with me today. Truly stoked to be here. I mean, for everybody listening, like before before Sarah pressed record, we were talking about, we've been like around for a while. <laughs> <laughs> and then I, I heard from Sarah and I was like, she has how many followers? <laughs> like, you've been up to some good stuff in a decade. So, yeah. Hi. <laughs> yeah, it's been, I, I was trying to track it back because I remember reading your blog articles back in 2009. So it's been quite an adventure in between now and then. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, so my very first question that I love to ask my guests is that you have been invited to a dinner party and you have three guests that you can bring with you, who would they be and why? Oh, that I'm bringing with me? Yeah, anybody. They could be dead or alive. They could be from other realms, whoever it is. <laughs> right. Well, I would pretty much just bring my friends. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> like, who wants to come to a really cool dinner party? And it would be my, like, girlfriend. Uh, but more, let me just get more philosophical and deep about it. <laughs> I would bring Jesus. Mm-hmm. I would bring Sojourner Truth, who fought for the end of slavery in the U.S. Mm. I would bring my son. Ah, that would be a nice dinner party. <laughs> yeah. mm. I love hearing the answers from different people. It's it's so it's so interesting to get that snapshot into just their. How do I put this? the energy that they like to surround themselves with. (laughs) 
Okay, so your latest book is called White Hot Truth, and the subtitle is absolutely gorgeous, and it is Clarity for Keeping It Real on Your Spiritual Path from One Seeker to Another. And it's the most honest and raw and real book that I think I've, I've read in a long time because it's got a very no-nonsense approach to spirituality. And I know you and I are in a very, <laughs> a very similar space. So what I'd love to ask you to dive into is to – Oh gosh. Okay. Nitty gritty diving right into it. Could you talk to me about spiritual glamour? Spiritual glamour is that dynamic. <laughs> and in our space, it's a bit of a phenomenon. That dynamic when someone is using all the things that they've done to be a more enlightened, to be a better person, to develop themselves as kind of posturing mm. that they are more enlightened. It's like, I hung out with this guru. I've been practicing meditation for X amount of years and nobody feels good about it. It's like it creates the opposite of what we all think we're supposed to be creating on the spiritual path, which is unity. It creates division because you're really kind of giving this air of superiority and a lot of the people around you, if they're not solid within, within themselves, are thinking, oh, I need to meditate more. I need to go to yoga more. I need to juice more, you know? And I think it happens for a couple of reasons. One, it's just a natural part of figuring out where your ego is going to fit in on your path. And mm -hmm. I've been that spiritual glamour kind of douchey person <laughs> at different times in my life where it's like, I've done this and I've got an answer and I've done my homework and, you know, I never want to be that person again. And I think it's coming from a place of woundedness mm. where... You know, we've all got our, our injuries and we want to be special. And that's the thing that we reach for if we've been really trying to make ourselves, um, you know, be more enlightened or better. Mm. And it's a, I don't know if it's like in epidemic proportions in this scene, but I think when you combine, you know, your spiritual search and you mix it in with wounds that have not been healed with shit, you have not looked at with wanting to make money, mm -hmm. then you get some spiritual glamour where people think I've got a, I've got a, I've got to position myself on this platform that I know more and I've done more <laughs> and I'm more enlightened and I'm more refined so that they will pay me to mm -hmm. be more enlightened. Uh, yeah, it's, it's, it's part of all of us growing up together. It sucks. But I don't, I don't think we can avoid it. Well, I think it's definitely a learning curve too for a lot of people that put their hand up to be these so-called spiritual teachers <laughs> because a lot of, and, and I've spoken to a lot of people about this, um, the fact that a lot of us teach what we need to learn. And so it's often magnified by the people that are the most rigid and strict when it comes to, oh, you know, completely banish negativity out of your life and don't ever have a bad day. <laughs> you know, like it's those people that don't have that, that integrated approach that tend to not understand the unified paradigm. You got it. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> so it definitely is like putting, uh, you know, rainbow sprinkles on a turd. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. As my mom said, just to let, just to continue, it's a beautiful turd analogy. Yeah. I used to always say, like, there's a turd in the punch bowl. And no one's talking about it. 
Well, that's this industry. It really, it really is. But then there's almost like a deeper layer too with the students and the responsibility that the teachers have to their students. Because for me, with my um, my work in the manifesting space, so many people are afraid if they have a bad day that they're not maintaining that high vibe, that high positive frequency. And they don't understand the energetic benefits of leveraging that energy. And so that's where I feel like my work is to really dive in and say, hey, it's okay. And as you say in the book, many times there's a very strong theme of self-compassion. And this is, this is such powerful work that we need to remind people that fucking up is part of the program. <laughs> mm-hmm. Yeah, positivity is exhausting. <laughs> Isn't it? Oh, my God. <laughs> Yeah, look, it's not real. Mm. You know what's exhausting is faking it. Yeah. What's exhausting is following someone's formula to get somewhere you think you need to be. Yeah, mm. it's just, it's it's not whole. It's mm. not whole. And the name of the game, I shouldn't use the word game. The <laughs> whole idea here, the concept is wholeness. Mm. And I think we mislabel so many parts of life as negative or less than or detrimental it's like anger is part of being human Mm. who says it's negative it can actually be highly positive and creative and that force can bring in so much clarity it can keep you safe and alive and anger is you know fits under the umbrella of discernment Mm -hmm. you're a little pissed off by the things you see like that's how you you make reality better. Mm. Sadness, you can't get through life without being sad. Sadness is part of having a heart. Mm. Sadness comes with, you know, if you dare to love, you're going to be sad. Yeah, so, and, and, and trying to not be those things other than it just being oppressive and repressive. Mm-hmm. Um, That's fascinating. I mean, it really takes you out of the moment. Yes. You know, and... It just feeds that machine of this driving, of always trying to be better than you are. And really, it's about being someplace that you're not. Mm. Oh, I love that. Absolutely love it. Because I, I believe or I have seen in the work that I do that there's this almost distorted perception, especially when it comes to the manifesting space, because people hold the belief that they're unable to manifest or that manifestation is something that happens down the track. But what my work does is, it teaches people that each moment, each breath is a manifestation and that they, they forget that there's this, this chronic disconnect. And I, I think that brings it back to your work, which is, you know, highlighting the addiction to self-improvement and, and how we need to kind of close that gap if it's possible. <laughs> mm-hmm. Yeah. Oh, it's fascinating stuff. So uh, next next theme that I'd love to dive into is a bit of a – uh, pulls on the heartstrings because I know that a member of your team was at the Las Vegas concert that happened earlier in the month of October and um, they were affected by that and I know that you put out a really beautiful email offering support and resources for emotional trauma and stuff like that. So how do you, this is a big, and I, I know that you love to dive into these these issues and, and talk about the bigger picture how can we help to facilitate healing when we see these world events that are taking place quite frequently? Well, I think we need to grieve. Mm. And um, 
first of all, we need to feel connected to it. Yeah. So, you know, the fact that a lot of these, a lot of these, these massacres and the killings and the trauma and the drama, they're not directly impacting our lives, a lot of our lives. Mm -hmm. Um, But you need to open your heart up to that place of connectivity to realize that the mother in Syria who's just Mm. lost her whole family has everything to do with how you live. Mm -hmm. And we've got to find ways to relate. Like, you know, one thing that I've I've really um, happened for me around Vegas, I mean, so I was directly impacted closer than ever before because the woman who runs my business was there. Mm. And, and, and I think it's important to qualify this, not just in Vegas. Mm. She was at that concert, dodging bullets and saving lives. Yeah. And it's a story you really never want to hear firsthand. Mm. And what it did for me, other than, you know, bringing us closer together as friends as an as team was, it really had me think about other people who are going through similar things on a regular basis. Mm-hmm. And that put me in an interesting position as someone who's, you know, vocal on a weekly basis about what they're thinking about, where I don't want to invalidate. And let's be clear, it wasn't a concert, it was a massacre. Yeah. I don't want to invalidate the massacre yes. that happened in Vegas. But at the same time, I think this is a really crucial moment to say, you know what? 50 people dead, 59 people dead. That's a daily occurrence in a lot of places in the world. Yeah, yeah. You need to have, figure out how your pain is related to other people's pain right now. Mm. It's, very sensitive, it's a very sensitive line to walk, right? Mm-hmm. Um, so I think uh, going to that really ah, painful, painful place of how your pain is connected to somebody else, how somebody else's pain is connected to you, not shutting down. I mean, we were, I'll speak for myself, you know, hearing about Vic's, she's been very open about it, so I can use her name, Mm -hmm. hearing about Vic's experience, that brought up all kinds of trauma I've experienced in my life. Nothing like that, but, I mean, for about a week after, there was a lot of crying, a lot of, you know, sort of mourning confusion. I ran into somebody that I'm not on great terms with that was more upsetting than it, you know, would have been, should have been. Mm-hmm. And that is how you create change by being in that pain and by letting it affect you, mm. not closing down. So as a result of being in that pain, not closing down, we're more committed than ever to being very vocal about our beliefs, about the life we want to create for ourselves or other people about policy, uh, Mm. don't shut down feel pain don't shut down and commit more deeply to being of service i i love that and i think it was particularly poignant that oh gosh well vegas is a city that's built on being of service which is an interesting correlation i just gosh my heart does go out for everybody that was involved but again it's the same there's pain and tragedy happening as you say around the world all the time and it's how we uh, manage that grief, how we process it. I just think that's such a powerful reminder. Um, 
for myself with the, with the kids at school, I mean, we have been in Australia for most of my adult life and then moving to America. It's quite a, a radical change for the kids. And just after that happened, there was a hard lockdown in my son's school. You know, I admit uh, after all of this pain and, and suffering that these kids aren't allowed to process their grief, that they're faced with another challenge and another challenge. Mm. So we as parents we have a responsibility to guide our children how to manage that energy and process that grief rather than just shutting it down. Because I know, you know, from, uh, how do I put this, a masculine perspective, you know, not allowed to to cry. You know, the the um, with my son, for example, his father would say to him, you know, don't cry or I'll give you something to cry about. You know, the, the differences between the masculine and the feminine, whereas the feminine's allowed to break down and cry and the masculine might not have that that space available. So again, on a micro level, ushering that energy and, and allowing it to just be whatever, however it shows up. And not normalizing this. Yes. This is not okay. No. It's not okay to have the threats. It's not okay for this to happen. Um, you know, rampant misuse of, of weaponry is not okay. Like this is not, none, there's nothing about this that is normal mm. and we won't, we won't have that kind of clarity unless we go to that, those difficult places of feeling like this is wrong. This is traumatizing. This is confusing. This affects, this is very discombobulating. Mm. Why am I angry? All of us like, yeah, all of the emotions need to be accounted for. Oh, it's such, it's such powerful work. There's so many incredible pivotal points of awareness that can be cultivated when we're when we're brave enough to examine this as well to to dive in and do that work mm-hmm. it's it's an honor um okay so i'm going to shift gears a little bit here <laughs> so this is a bit of a quirky question but one that i feel inspired to ask and as a creative entrepreneur and a writer and an artist, what do you usually say to people that might hold the belief that writing about spiritual concepts or principles should be free? Have you ever had that question asked to you before? A variation of it has mm-hmm. come up. It's not off. Um, well, I'll tell you, I'm, I'm about to launch a meditation class. Ooh. There's five days where... We're going to meet one evening and then we're going to meet every morning and we're going to work on pretty much the same meditation mm-hmm. for five days. And it's 50 bucks, $10 gets donated to charity and you get the kit at the end. Ooh. And there was a part of me, I was like, huh, I'm charging for meditation. <laughs> <laughs> uh, and that's the business I'm in. Yeah. This is how I make my living and I support nine people. And hopefully we raise a couple hundred grand for charity. Like, uh, so obviously I don't have a problem with it, but I'm conscious of it. Mm-hmm. I think the beauty, there's a lot of beauty to it, but the beauty is that we are normalizing in a really healthy way, the value of spiritual work. Mm. You know, I, it's to me, and this, I mean, this is really literal in my life. It's just as valuable for me to pay an energy worker as it would be to go pay for medication mm-hmm. because that's the world I, that's my paradigm yeah. the world I live in. So we should have an economy <laughs> based on 
the esoterics, but, and let me say, and, Mm -hmm. and built into that, there needs to be some philanthropic charitable model and there needs to be, um, yeah, there needs to be a, a generosity that is woven into everything. So I, I mean, just to, just to follow this thread for a minute. Mm-hmm. I mean, I really think at this point in human evolution, um, business and how we do business is, has become the perpetrator of a lot of oppression, a lot of mental illness, and it's really ravaging the planet. Mm-hmm. So I'm not even interested in having a conversation about, I mean, metaphorically, about how to be better at business if what you're doing is damaging people and damaging the planet. I'm actually not even interested in having a conversation if what you're doing is neutral. Mm. I think it's too late in the day for us to just do neutral things. What I'm really interested in is talking about how businesses can really serve humanity and serve to heal and clean up the planet. Uh, It's just... (laughs) (laughs) it's it's, it's too late to be doing anything else like we've all got to be chipping in here it's so true so true no 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 I I absolutely love that because it's those tiny little things that you say that make the biggest difference and for instance I heard you on another podcast somewhere talking about plastics and I went into my kitchen and I threw well I recycled all of my plastic tubberware and I went out and I bought all glass And just that action alone, I mean, it's just tiny, but it helps because, you know, it helps the environment. It helps me personally because I don't want the toxic, toxic chemicals in my bloodstream. You know, it's just those tiny things that we might share, whether it's on social media or in interviews that really help to cement new little tiny ideas in someone's consciousness that they might not have even considered before. So, Mm. yeah, it's right. Don't be neutral. (laughs) Don't be neutral. Okay. So... You love rapid fire questions, so I thought I'd finish up on some rapid fire. Is that okay with you? Love it. Love <laughs> okay, it. good, 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 good. <laughs> okay, so when was the last time that you had a deja vu moment? Oh, God, I don't know. Right now. <laughs> right now. Oh. <laughs> finish this sentence. The world would be better if. Women were properly worshipped. The number one value you could have downloaded and installed into the consciousness of all children would be? Well, I just want to say rock. You rock. <laughs> they should all have a little a little app that where they just remember, I rock. Yes. I, I love that. I love that. Roses or orchids? Roses. Favorite three grocery items? Oh, well, right now I'm really <laughs> into it. <laughs> Lighting up like a Christmas tree. <laughs> right now, I'm really into cashew cheese. Ooh. Yeah, it's really great. So you get your dairy hit, but it's not dairy. Mm-hmm. Um, almond milk, but sugar-free. Mm-hmm. And oh, our favorite, our new favorite thing is uh, coconut, chocolate coconut ice cream. Oh, that sounds good. Yeah. Okay. So good. So dairy, <laughs> dairy free, but so incredible. And we eat it while watching. <laughs> um, we're, we just got into the Netflix series. This is us. <gasps> yes. Well, I watch it too. <laughs> I love oh it. My God. I just watch, watch and weep and have my coconut chocolate. I know I'm crying before the credits roll, you know, it's, <laughs> yeah. it's like this show. 
Yeah. Oh, how wonderful. Okay. The biggest romantic relationship deal breaker. Oh, it doesn't smell good. You got to smell good. Let's just start, <laughs> start with the primal. Yeah, yes. I want to lick you. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> okay. This one's a bit strange, but the last conspiracy theory that you thought could be real. Oh, hey, listen, I'm a conspiracy theorist. <laughs> okay, I'm so I, happy I, to hear that. <laughs> if, I, if I really laid out all of my my beliefs, my system, my uh, belief systems, my questions, people would say, holy shit, she's out there. Um, I actually don't even want to get into it. Sure. It's so controversial. Just, yeah. just one question, yes or no, then. Have you heard about the Mandela effect? No, I haven't. Okay. Well, the, it, well, you can look that oh, one up God, after we finish. Okay. <laughs> I've opened up that rabbit hole for you. <laughs> okay. And the one book that you would take with you if you were stranded on a desert island? Oh, I would take, I couldn't take, take one. I would take the Radiance Sutras. I would take, uh, I would take a Krishnamurti collection. Mm-hmm. And I would take, oh, I can't believe I'm forgetting the name of it, but it's it's one of Leonard Cohen's books, Something Songs. Uh, oh, what is the, the title? Yes, I remember. My mother has a copy of it on her bookshelf. Yeah. You can yeah. see the cover there. Okay. Yeah. Oh, those are great. I love rapid fire questions like that. <laughs> So it's you a bit of fun. So much about somebody. Yeah, yeah. You do. I wonder how long though that I could take the rapid fire. Whether I could stretch it out for the full like thirty minutes. <laughs> Probably you get could, a bit off. Yeah. <laughs> so Danielle, I want to take this opportunity to honor you and thank you for the work that you do in the world. Uh, it's been an absolute pleasure to connect with you, and thank you so much for your time. Hey, I'm so happy for your success, and hello to everybody who's listening. Thanks. That conversation was seriously amazing. I am so thankful that Danielle took the time out of her busy schedule to be a guest on the show today. And I'm so thankful that you listened to this point in the podcast. If you liked it, make sure that you share it with your friends and your family, because the intention behind the Journey to Manifesting podcast is to inspire the hearts and the minds of as many people as possible. So make sure that you share it. Make sure that you hit the subscribe button so that you never miss out on an episode. And if you feel inspired, please leave a review and let me know who else you would like me to interview. What other topics of inspiration would you like me to cover during our time together? It's my absolute intention to help to support you on your journey to manifesting. And while I'm on that subject, if you would like to take your manifesting journey to the next level, make sure that you check out the Manifesting Academy. We would love to welcome you into our like-minded community of kindred spirits. We call it our soul tribe. There are meditation lessons, manifesting lessons, and all also Q&A replays of masterclasses that I've held so that you can really immerse yourself in everything to do with understanding spirituality and the law of attraction. For more information, go to manifestingacademy.com. That's it from me for today. Thank you so much again for being here with me. And until next time, enjoy your journey to manifesting. <laughs>